This is an ABC podcast. Hello, I'm Lucy Smith. This is the Science with Dr Carl podcast. And we wrapped questions last week, but I thought I would give you an extra special episode to close out 2021. Before we get into it, I want you to imagine, what would we do if a comet was hurtling towards Earth? I hear there's uh, something you don't like the looks of. We discovered a very large comet. Oh, good for you. It's headed directly towards Earth. This comet is what we call a planet killer. At this exact moment, I say we sit tight and assess. Sit tight and assess? Sit tight and then assess. Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio are astronomers who explore just that in the new Netflix film. It's called Don't Look Up. But they had to have someone on board to consult with them and teach them about what that would realistically look like. That person was Dr. Amy Meinzer, who joins you right now on Triple J. Dr. Amy, thanks for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, this is huge. So you were the lead consultant and expert on this film because you are an astronomer, a climate change scientist, but you're also the principal investigator of NASA's near-Earth Object Wide Field Infrared Survey Explorer mission. Whew! What is that? <laughs> Can you break it down for us? You bet. Well, we, we love our acronyms at NASA. So that stands for, so NEOWISE is basically an orbiting space telescope that we're using to search for asteroids and comets. They get kind of close to the Earth. We want to find them. We want to track where they're going. And then we want to measure something about how big they are and maybe even a little bit about what they're made out of. We can figure that out too. So what does an average day look like for you? It's funny. Every day is quite different from the rest uh, in this line of work. And some days we're, we're looking at images, trying to figure out which are the objects that might be new asteroids or comets. Uh, other days I'm working on a new project. The telescope we have now, NEOWISE, is, is getting quite old. It's over 10 years old now, which is really old for a spacecraft. Wow. And this one's been up for quite a while. So we're working on a new one that's an even better asteroid hunting telescope uh, called the Near-Earth Object Surveyor Mission. So we're hoping that will launch, we think it'll launch sometime in 2026. So my days are now all very busy What with uh, looking at data from the existing telescope and then trying to get the work done to build the new one. And 2020 was about having these conversations about this film. So how did you get involved with it? You know, I've been working with uh, with Adam, the writer-director, for, for, gosh, more than two years now. And this has been a, a topic that I know Adam's been really interested in for a long time, basically trying to, how does the public respond to serious major issues like climate change. How do you make a movie that addresses such a serious topic in a way that's that's relatable and that uh, will resonate with people? Mm. So uh, when I first started working with him on this, uh, it was it was a really, you could tell right off the bat, it was a really important conversation to have through a movie with the audience uh, that we really hope people will understand the importance of science in day-to-day life mm. as we face all of these challenges, the pandemic, climate change, et cetera. Mm. And the film itself, the premise is that there is a comet, it's heading towards Earth and they've got six months to deal with it. Straight off the bat, Amy, what are the chances of something like this actually happening? Well, of a very large impact, something that is capable of causing global devastation, that is incredibly, incredibly rare. And we are very, very fortunate for that. So (laughs) it's not something you really have to worry about in your everyday life at all. I mean, there was an impact like this 65 million years ago, and this is what killed off the dinosaurs. As a result, life as we know it as human beings evolved today. So in some ways we are here because the dinosaurs went extinct. On the other hand, we know that this can't happen very often because otherwise we probably wouldn't be here. 
right? We wouldn't have had time before getting wiped off by a giant comet. So we know that's not very frequent. However, smaller impacts, things that can cause less than a global event, but still something that could really cause a lot of problems, those occur more frequently. That's why we as astronomers go and watch the skies so that we can keep an eye on what's out there. Dr. Amy, you consulted directly with Leonardo DiCaprio with Jennifer Lawrence. So I have to ask you about that because Leo said that he must have had about a hundred conversations with you about this film. What what were some of those conversations like? What did he want to know from you? We spent a lot of time talking about just the uh, the frustration that scientists feel when we are marginalized, when we are shouted down by conspiracy theorists or special interests. Um, he really, I told him, you really have to speak for us. You have to convey that sense of desperate frustration that we feel. And I think he really did. I think he pulled it off. Mm. And I think seeing that kind of feeling from Leo and Jennifer's characters in this film of like, that they feel as if they're shouting into the void, you know, like, is that kind of how you felt at times? Yeah, I think that, you know, anybody who works in the sciences has had these experiences of, of, you know, watching conspiracy theories and, and like I said, special interests overtake what we know to be the right course of action for any number of different things from climate change to severe weather, pandemic response, et cetera. Uh, we know what the right things to do are from, from science, and we have people who just actively subvert that. That's mm-hmm. extremely frustrating. And, uh, you know, I think one of the central messages of the movie, though, is that this doesn't have to be our fate. We can choose a different way to live. And one thing I found interesting about Jennifer Lawrence's consultation with you is that a lot of it was about how her character would carry herself being a woman in STEM and being a woman in astronomy. So what kind of advice or real world experience did you have to pass on to Jen about how her character would hold herself? You know, it being in a field where there are not a lot of other people who who might look like you or have the same background as you is uh, can be an isolating and overwhelming experience at times. On the other hand, uh, it's a process of finding allies, finding people who are supportive of you and 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 who nurture you. And I think you generally see with with Leo's character and Jen's character this sort of healthy this relationship of a mentor and mentee, you know, mentorship relationship. That's really important in the sciences, especially as a woman in science. Find your friends. Mm. Find your friends. I like that. At the beginning of the film, we see them celebrating this win, but then with some maths, Leonardo DiCaprio's character realises that actually something's gone wrong. Can you explain to me what that, what that realisation is with those numbers? Yeah. So in the beginning there, he quickly, uh, he decides because he's got his students with him that he's going to kind of do this calculation old school. So instead of just going right to the computer, he's going to try to work the math out on the whiteboard. So, you know, you see that process. It's a, it's an iterative method for determining an asteroid's orbit that he's using a fairly old and classical method where you, you basically try to solve, you, you do it once, then you do it again and you slightly refine the number and you keep refining the numbers. So you'll see there's a shot, there's kind of a list of numbers And you'll see one of the numbers, which is the distance to the earth starting to get lower and lower and lower and lower. And then finally he realizes that actually it's going to go to zero. And that's a really bad thing to realize. Oh my God. Fortunately, that's not what we know in real life (laughs) that we, we haven't experienced that recently in real life. So that's good. And did you actually have to teach Leo and Jennifer about that maths and what that would look like? Uh, yeah, actually, I would say at this point, they're both uh, pushing their own PhD or master's degrees right now in planetary <laughs> orbital dynamics. They really did. They put in the effort on this. Oh, it was really fun. 
Amazing. Dr. Amy Meinzer joins you on Triple J right now. Now, Amy, I'm wondering if you would be up for taking some audience questions about your work, about the film. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So we got this one here from Cameron. Hi, Dr. Amy. Um, with humans still being reliant on things like coal and copper for electronics and gold and things like that, I was wondering what kind of minerals and metals we could be mining from asteroids. Well, it does. It, so we have a lot of evidence that asteroids and comets can have a lot of rare earth elements and rare materials in them. The problem is, how would you ever get them out and in large quantities enough to make it worth the enormous cost and difficulty of doing so? I mean, obviously, mining on Earth is very bad for the environment, right? So there's a lot of incentive to want to do the mining somewhere else, off in space. The problem is, space is just really hard to do anything in. It's an extremely challenging environment. So right now, in my opinion, the technology just kind of isn't there. We can bring back relatively small samples from asteroids and comets, and we've demonstrated that. But bringing back really large quantities of the material is still in the realm of, of a lot of science fiction at the moment, mm. maybe and, later. And that is something, no spoilers, that is something that is touched on the, in the film as well and the greed that can come with that too. Yes, exactly, mm. exactly. That's an important aspect. We got this question here from Angela in Dulwich Hill. So in the movie Armageddon, there's an asteroid hurtling towards Earth and they deploy oil riggers to space to drill through the asteroid before it hits us. Is that actually feasible? And if not, how would we defend ourselves with a giant Earth-destroying asteroid? Well, the most important thing we can do if we really actually want to do something about asteroid and comet impacts is we actually need to go look for them first, because right now we don't know where most of them are. We know where the really, really big ones are. We know where most of those are, about 90% of the kilometer and larger objects, but we don't know where most of the smaller objects are. So we can't do anything at all until we actually find where the objects are and start to track them. That's the first step. You have to find them, figure out which ones are actually, if any, heading our way. And then, and only then, can you really start planning an effective campaign to push it out of the way. Uh, you definitely wouldn't send oil rig workers. That's, uh, that's right off the table. As much as I like Bruce Willis, uh, <laughs> that's probably not the right strategy. Um, you'd really like to be able to find it far enough in advance that you could just simply run a spacecraft into it and, and slightly bump it out of the way. That would be my choice. That would be my preference. And we've got this one here from Lainey. Hi, Dr. Amy. We know that a giant meteor wiped out the dinosaurs millions of years ago, but why didn't it wipe out the crocodiles as well? Well, it is, this is a, for me, this is really fascinating. I don't personally study the, the archaeology aspects of this, but just to kind of as an outsider who's looking at this field, I think one of the things that's so fascinating about it is that we do have this wonderful wealth of fossils that record what happened. Uh, creatures that lived in the oceans were somewhat better protected from the impact effects than land-based creatures. So that is probably why things like crocodiles managed to, to hang on because they had a little protection from being in the water, being under, under the water. But that said, the rest of the planet took a real beating and something like at least half of all species went extinct. It was pretty bad. So clearly there is plenty of evidence from the past that says that sudden climate change is a really, really bad thing. And we don't wanna be doing this today. It's mm -hmm. not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And final question, this one comes from Carly in Bondi. Hi, Dr. Amy. My question is, do you believe that aliens exist? That is a really, really great question. And it's, it's funny because uh, as a scientist who started in this field, you know, in the mid-90s kind of, that's when I started graduate school, 
at that time, we didn't know of confirmed existence of, of large numbers of other planets out there outside of our solar system. So now we have excellent evidence that planets are ubiquitous throughout our galaxy and probably throughout the universe. That's a new piece of information that we didn't have before. We're also learning about the diversity of planets. There's so many different kinds and lots of different kinds of solar systems that can look very different from ours. Uh, that said, we have not yet been able to find the evidence for a truly Earth-like planet. Now, a lot of that's because we don't have the observational capabilities yet. It's, they're just too hard to see, but we're working on it. My guess is that, and this is a guess, is that there probably are plenty of other Earth-like planets out there in the galaxy, and that's, that's great. I think they are there, uh, but it'll be an interesting question to see whether they're Earth-like or like Venus, which is not a nice place to live, and yet it's our very close cousin in our solar system. So the jury's still out. Oh, Dr. Amy Meinzer is with you on Triple J. She's an astronomer for NASA and was the consultant on the new Netflix film Don't Look Up. And Amy, in the film, we see a lot of parallels with the end of days and not leaving things until it's too late and climate change. What would you say to someone who's listening who's maybe feeling a bit frustrated with that inaction on climate change? Well, there, first of all, it is absolutely not hopeless. And the future is entirely up to us. We can choose it. So if, you know, when I feel down, when I feel frustrated, uh, what I do is I pick up my computer and I go back to work <laughs> sometimes because it makes me feel better, right? So doing something is uh, is really important and, and not losing hope. Uh, Netflix actually put together a very nice uh, website for the film called Count Us In that has a, a, a nice summary of some of the actions that we can take both as individuals, as voters, uh, as, as members of society. And I think there are plenty of tangible things. So take a look at that. Count Us In is, I think, quite well done. But also more generally, it's important not to lose hope because these are things we can fix. We just have to choose to go out and do the work to do it. Some of it's the science and some of it's the policy and the politics, but do not lose hope. And that's it for 2021. If you like that episode, take a scroll through the podcast feed. We have a previous ep with NASA astronaut Catherine Sullivan and a Science of Movies special. Dr. Carr will be back on board in 2022 answering more of your science questions. So make sure you're subscribed to be the first to know when next year's episode drops. I'm Lucy Smith. It's a pleasure going on this crazy ride with you every week. A big thank you to our producer, Joe Kahn, who puts this all together. And thank you to you for listening. Have a great new year and we'll catch you in 2022. 